Wiser podcast. Conversations, public talks, and audio essays from the Witz Institute for Social and Economic Research. Hi, I'm Sarah Nuttall, and welcome to the Wiser podcast. In this episode, we hear a conversation between a father and a son about a moment separated by 30 years when they found out they were each being charged with treason against the state. Reverend Frank Chikane, a prominent apartheid activist and the former vice president of the United Democratic Front and general secretary of the South African Council of Churches, was arrested and charged with treason against the state in 1985. He recalls that although he had been arrested by apartheid authorities before, this arrest for treason was ominously different. Rechotso Fetse Chekane, a former activist for the Fismas Fall movement, and Frank Chekane's son, joined a movement which began as a series of protests demanding free education across universities in South Africa, one that quickly morphed into a vehicle of expression for young people unhappy with the failed promises of a democratic South Africa. He retells his arrest experience through the stories he heard from his father growing up, and via his dismay that a country that told him he was born free would charge him as an enemy of the state for demanding the realization of freedom for all. Though couched within the familial levity of a breakfast table heart to heart, the conversation reflects on the state of a democratic South Africa, the current dangers it faces, and what that means for those who choose to fight for it, both then and now. So we're about to have an interesting conversation. Um, my name is Rihotsufetsu Chikani, and I'm here with my dad, Reverend Frank Chikani. I'm not sure other people call you doctor. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't call myself doctor. It's an honorary degree. Those who want to recognize it, it's okay, but no. Yeah, so um, the go-to... Um, yeah, Reverend, it's my preferred if one wants to be formal. So is it fine if I just call you dad? I hope that's... Yeah, that's no, no. <laughs> this is our discussion. It's not for the... Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we're going to have a discussion today um, about a very rare feat that I don't think many families can say mm-hmm. they've experienced of in a post... In a, in an, underneath an apartheid regime, having a family member charged with treason in your situation being far worse than mine... And then in a post-democratic South Africa, being having your son charged with treason and us trying to unpack that and trying to figure out what does that mean for our country as a whole going forward. But more importantly, like, what does it feel like? I don't think enough people talk about this, mm. about what does it feel like to be charged with treason? Like, what goes through your mind in that, in that process? Um, my experience... I imagine would be what was going through my mind would be very different from what was going mm. through your mind because mm. same country but fighting two different systems essentially. Mm. Um, so I hope this conversation is entertaining to whoever is listening. But um, I think we can start off with you, Dad. About if you can walk us through mm. what was going through your mind the day you got charged with treason and what, how were you feeling about that and just your general emotions of that day and if you can walk us through it as well. Well, you know, there's a difference between an experience, real experience, and theory. Mm. We knew that we were opposing the system. Mm. 
we knew we were delegitimizing it. We knew we had mobilized people not cooperate with the apartheid system. They were not paying services or bonds or anything. Mm. Anything that had to do with the apartheid system, we call on the people to withdraw. Yeah. And, and so then, of course, there was the concept of ungovernability. Yes. That our Tambo called for, you know, the people to refuse to be governed. Mm. So we then go into that stage. So you, would, you could see that you could be charged for treason, <laughs> theoretically. And at one point, they said the Council of Churches, for instance, was, an old, was operating like an alternative government. Mm. And it was said by P.W. Botha and then in a court setting, in a particular trial. Yeah. So we expected we could be charged. But when they arrived <laughs> to come and pick me up, it was a different experience. <laughs> um, this time, normally they are rough. They beat you up uh, from their bedroom before you get out of there. And I had my paper, you know, my plastic bag with toothbrush toothpaste mm. and washing rack because they didn't even give you time to pick up those things. So when they knock at the door, that's the first thing mm. you picked up. And when they arrived there, this time they were not in a hurry. They were not rough. They just said, Reverend, take a seat. Oh, wow. You know? And then I took a seat and your mom was there. And then they said to me, we we can, we arresting you for high treason, <laughs> and we just wanted you to understand and your wife that you're going to go away for a long, long so time. So they were preparing you essentially yeah, to come to terms long, with this long, long time, and 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 not less than twenty years. At mm. least, you know, you're going to be sentenced not less than 20 years. And then you think about the Mandelas who have been in prison for ages, the Sisulos. And then they take you away. And your mom comes because you are now charged. It's not detention. Detention without trial, your family can't talk to you. Mm. But because we were charged, she could talk to me. Yes. And we had a conversation with your mom to say, I'm going away for a long time. So let's agree what's going to happen. Because you like study, just go and study. Oh, interesting. To go and study as a way of filling the gap. Because otherwise you're going to be depressed and, you know... Mm. And that's why your mom has got a number of degrees. Yeah. Yeah, because we consciously decided to do that. Mm. And at that time, of course, you now step off to say, I can't take care of the family. I can't take care of my children. I'm mm. out now. So they take you out. Yes. I'm out now. And uh, I'm going to be like Mandela. Yeah, You know, he just left and the children were left alone. That's how I felt at that point. Mm. And, uh, but psychologically we were ready for it because we knew what we were doing. Yes. That's so, the difference. So in a sense, you don't crack because you knew what you were doing. Mm. So it shocks you, but okay, if that's the case... But we have mobilized enough of the buses. Yes. You know, this thing is going to collapse. 
So, I mean, I find that, <coughs> I find that fascinating. So I like that distinction between just the theory and what actually happens yeah. in the moment, but also the idea of the psychological preparation for, because you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and for us, and we'll probably get to it later, for me, I, I was not psychologically prepared because yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I had no. no idea that the state would go to such lengths. Yeah. But, but just reflecting on what you were saying, I mean, I'm thinking I wasn't even an idea yet. So mm, mm. the idea that you being gone for 20 years means that I wouldn't be doing this conversation with you yeah. as well. Um, but I think about the role of, A, being accustomed to being arrested, um, and knowing exactly what to do in that situation, but not being accustomed to being arrested in the situation of like treason is fascinating to me. Mm. Um, and why the police, I assume it was the police, yeah. um, why they would change their tactics mm. in that situation. Is it a, oh, I've got you now. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's I, no I've got you now. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and I find that amazing. And, and the other one is, the, so you know I'm a big advocate on mom's story mm. being told. Mm. Um, so I wrote it in the book about the conversation you had with mom when they, they said they might come to the house and you had people protecting the house, the story for another day. Um, but I can't imagine what goes through your wife's mind at that moment as well. Mm. But the fact that you had the foresight to think about what are our contingencies if this happens... I don't think those types of stories get told enough. And what happens if you don't create those contingencies? Because I think like my life, my brother's lives would be fundamentally different in different ways. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so I, I think, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say that we had to think about those contingencies. Remember, we are the generation after the Mandela's. Mm. We know what happened to the Mandela's. Yes. We know what happened to the families. We had to deal with the families mm. ourselves as a younger generation. We had to go, we gave away our generator, for instance, when the system cut off electricity mm. uh, at Mama Mandela's house, uh, where the old house where they lived. Mm. And we went there. We, they cut off because workers used to come and connect when the municipality cuts off the electricity. Yeah. So they went and removed their connections completely. <laughs> and we had a, a generator. Mm. We took the generator and gave it to Mamandela. So I'm just indicating that we were alive to what happens to the families and the implications. And By the way, they... They came and stole that generator. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't help because, and it was very expensive. It didn't help because they thought, oh, you think you are clever. We yeah. just come and steal the generator <laughs> and it's gone. And so we were prepared in that sense. But as I'm saying, and where I was detained a number of times before, mm. we had gone close to death. So that was not an issue. But just the fact that this time they make you sit there <laughs> and they tell you and they are all standing there and you yeah. are sitting there and they tell you you're going to go for a long, long time. <laughs> and that's why we, we planned with your mom. Yeah. And she handled better. You need to hear her mm. because she will tell you she saw her 
counterparts of those who are affected in the way, the mm. same way. See, she saw her, their lives were, you know, falling apart. Yeah. And she decided she's not going to do This that. is not the path she wants to take. She's not going to allow. And that's why she focused on her, her studies and just buried herself into it. Mm. And it became an investment into the future. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. she still forever studies going forward. Yeah. But it just, I'm now thinking about my, my experience. Yeah. I would like to know how you felt. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you why, how I felt <laughs> when you were taken away. Yeah. Because it's completely yeah. different. So we are now in the context of, I've been told my whole life, there's this thing called democracy. Yeah. And freedom. And, freedom, and many people fought for this thing. Yeah. And we have to privilege this democracy mm. and protect this democracy at all costs. Um, and rainbow nation, etc. Mm. And then I get to university and I start seeing outside of the bubble that was kind of created at home of the school that I went to, and then you get to another bubble mm -hmm. of Lord, I mean of UCT, and you start seeing that oh, there's something funny about this world. Mm. Um, there's something funny about this democracy thing, and it kind of piles on. And 2015 becomes this year where there's this a buildup of anger. Um, from across the country, I can sense this anger, I can mm. feel it, I can, mm. I can see it. You can almost feel, you can physically feel it mm. at times. And we decide, okay, enough's enough. And we use the, the proxy of fees as a broader mm. conversation about the state of the country and what it means to be, to be young in the country. Yeah, and you saw the poor kids yes. arriving there. Exactly. Yeah, it's in your system. Yeah. You can see yeah. it. It's in your face. Yeah. And 2015 becomes this, a whole bunch of interesting chance situations all culminates together to create roads must fall and then fees must fall in particular. So in my mind, there is no time to think about how do you prepare for getting arrested? Yeah. Because it's such a foreign concept. Because yeah. in my mind, in a democratic South Africa, we can do this thing. Yeah. Um, you, so long as you're not violent. Mm. Right, you can understand that thing, so long as you're not violent. And then I find myself on the stairs of, of parliament. And I remember seeing, I mean, I was very angry. I was very calm during the day. I only got angry when I saw how the police were treating students to remove them from parliament. I mean, to throw a stun grenade at someone's feet is a very dramatic thing to do, especially if that person is sitting on the floor. Mm, mm, um, and then mm. watching them drag away police off, I mean, police officers dragging away students. So I then intervene in one way or another, and clearly mm. I annoyed the police officers enough mm. that they said, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you. And I think it was only virtue of being in, in the precinct. Mm. And I remember being in the back of the police van, and I know to get to Cape Town Police Station, you have to turn left. Mm. from parliament mm. it's the only way you yeah. can go there yeah. and the police van turned right and yeah. i thought oh i'm in trouble now yeah you don't know where you i don't are. know where i'm going now and that was the yeah. first moment where i tried to call mom yeah where i said no i need to call someone yeah. because in my mind i thought maybe i'll call at the police station but that was the moment where i said yeah. there's something no. funny yeah and they took us all the way to camp spay they kept us there they moved us to another station then in Balville after like three... Same night. Same yeah. night. And all I was thinking about is your stories of how they would move you mm. so that people wouldn't know where you were. Where you were. 
and I thought this were there's something different about this. Mm. And we eventually get to the the Hawks building. Yeah. And I had almost you don't know this. Mm-hmm. This is the first time you're going to hear this. Mm-hmm. So I had been arrested before in yeah. a different situation, but it was a small thing and yeah. it was more fear tactics than anything else. So and we generally knew like the charges you would get yeah. just to scare you would be um, trespassing, illegal public gathering, and public violence. Yeah. Yeah. And all three of them are very hard to, to mm. prove to anyone. Mm. So when the person was reading the charges, I was thinking about these three. So the person says, um, trespassing on a national key point. Mm. And I said, no, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> point. Yeah. There's, there's, something, yeah. there's something funny yeah. about that one. Yeah. And then they said illegal public gathering. Mm. And I said, yeah, that's fine, but that's a weird law and all yeah. that. So then I'm expecting public violence. Yeah. And the person then says, high treason. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I thought, oops, I'm in trouble now. Yeah. And the most bizarre thing was before they read those charges, it was about four or five hours that they kept us in the Hawks building. Mm. The mood was so jovial. Mm. It was so, we were talking to the police officers that were telling us, my kids are going to university. I don't know how they're going to afford it. We actually agree with you guys. Mm. And then a phone call happened and the mood changed instantly. Yes. And after that phone call, I still don't know who made that phone call to the leading officer. Mm. The mood changed and they read those charges out. And that was the moment where I thought, wow, yeah. this democratic South Africa is charging us with high treason. Treason, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. (laughs) I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. So there was no time because I had no sense that we would be arrested for this. Mm, mm. And then could not even psychologically prepare myself. Mm. It was a very long night of because I couldn't talk to you guys as well. Mm. There was this complete silence. It was a very long night in the Mm. Belleville police station Mm. of figuring out, okay, Mm. we are in a tough position. Um... So I have no idea. I, I don't know how, what you were thinking at the well, time. Well, I mean, I, I must say, firstly, I was not surprised you were arrested because we knew you were part of the leadership mm. of that movement and uh, we would have expected that they'd just arrest you and let you go. Yeah. As usual, <laughs> unless they would deal with students. But we were worried about the TV pictures, mm. the... the pictures of you being dragged and thrown mm. into the van and it was very violent mm. the way they handled you. I mean, we were even worried your limbs would be broken, <laughs> you know, and so we are very concerned. But then we used third parties to try to locate where you were, which we got to know and they told us you may be charged the following day, your mom plans to come. Of, of course, somebody says to us, well, to me, well, Reverend, you did that to your parents as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> and now, you know, you are now behaving like a parent. You are worried. And yeah. Why was he in that situation, this <laughs> and the other? And, and it becomes almost like a joke when they talk to me. And I say, but, you know, this is my son. You know? <laughs> and so we then later get the message that says, the charges are treason. <laughs> and I thought, 
I could. That's a joke. I'm yeah. sure they are just threatening them. Mm. And but when I got to know, they even put it in your document yeah. that they are charging you for treason. That became for me serious and shocking. Mm. And I couldn't believe that my government would actually charge U.S. students for high treason just to breaking the lines into mm. parliament. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be treason. Yeah. Uh, but indeed, the voices of other people within the governing party gave the impression that actually this thing is serious. Mm. And so your mom, well, we couldn't sleep. We had mm. to book a ticket. And uh, she left here very early in the morning the following day mm. to come and be in court because I couldn't do that. But it was a shock of our lives. Mm. Um, and when they released you, of course, and didn't pursue the charge, I thought, I don't know where it came from, this thing. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't know where it came from. And I think up to now, we don't know where no. it came from. I think the day we find out who made that phone call. Yeah. Because if yeah. you find out who makes that phone call, it then speaks volumes about who or what is informing people's decisions mm -hmm. in government mm -hmm. in that moment. And because I, I, and I don't want to make mm -hmm. unfounded suggestions, but you can't charge someone with treason without talking to the most important people. Yeah. It, it, you can't just have a lowly officer who decides mm -hmm. this is it, in my mind. Yeah. Um, the same way I imagine it would happen in the apartheid state of you can't, it wouldn't be a lowly officer. It would be, we have planned this thing. We have, we've been looking for this individual yeah, and yeah. we want to charge them. Yeah. And I imagine that logic is the same, but it also begs the question and probably the last question for us of will it happen again? Um, someone in this country being charged with treason for fighting against the system. Not they genuinely were just doing something mischievous. Yeah. But yeah. they were challenging the system and they used treason as a way of saying, no, stop doing that. Yeah. I think I, I would not have imagined we would. I mean, we yeah. avoided having political prisoners. You mm -hmm. know, as a democracy, you don't want to... You want a free, the freedom for people to protest, to express themselves. At times they break the law when they protest. You charge them for breaking the law when they protest. But it could not be treason. Mm. I mean, the closest for me that would be treasonous would be the July 2021 mm. uh, failed insurrection. Yes. That looked like treason. Treason in its classical, mm. <coughs> classical sense. It's it's sabotage. It's treason. And but when you read the report of the Zondo Commission, mm. uh, where people who were in the state, it's not the normal thing about people outside the state committing treason. But in this case, you've got people within the state sabotaging the state, mm. capturing it, and using it to benefit people and, and collaborating even with foreigners. Mm. That, to me, comes close to what would be called treason mm. in a democracy, because I've never seen such a thing like that where 
a president of the country collaborates with outsiders mm. to siphon the resources of the country and use it for personal interests and foreigners. It's, it's, it's just unheard of. Yeah. And, and for me, it comes close. And I'm hoping that with the state capture report, we will never, ever have anything that comes close to it. Because even the insurrection is the people who don't want to go to jail yeah. for the crimes they've committed. And they decide to destabilize the state Mm. And 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 destabilize the government, and then infiltrate the intelligence services, the police services, the military, mm. the prosecution authority. They even attempted to, you know, capture the the judges. Mm. If they had succeeded, would have been like the Italian mafia, yeah, where they ran the state. Mm. outside the state because then the criminals have taken over. For me, that's reason. Yeah. Because you've actually destroyed the state or you took over the state without declaring I'm now doing an, a takeover. Yes. I mean, I, I liked that you used the, the, the phrase destabilizing the state. Yeah. Because that's, that's the classical sense of you're, you're going in you're actively trying to destabilize the state for all, your own personal gain. Yeah. And if you happen to then lead the country after that, then bonus points mm. for the situation. Mm. And I think from a slightly different perspective, not dramatically different, but what if you're destabilizing the state not because you think that I want to have personal gain, mm. that I want to steal money, but because you've now come to a conclusion that the state is no longer legitimate. Yeah, yeah. And you're now looking at the state and it is corrupt, it is this and it's that, mm. but at its core, you're believing that the state is no longer legitimate. Yeah. And the activities at that point to say, how do I then get rid of what I believe is illegitimate? Because I now believe, regardless of the votes, regardless of our fairly strong judiciary, mm. um, regardless of the democratic institutions put into place, there's something fundamentally wrong happening here. And for me, I always said that th I, there's going to be a moment where people then start questioning the same. Because you can't have the type of socioeconomic situations we have in the country that last for so long without people being angry. And I thought that July... For the longest time, I rode mm. this wave of the July unrest would be that moment. Mm. I couldn't think of any other moment. I thought if Marikana couldn't do it, the death of Andreas Tatane couldn't do it, Fees must fall couldn't do it, um, the life is a many crisis. Like, there's many crises mm. the country has gone through, but I thought, okay, maybe July unrest will be it. Mm. But because it was controlled in certain ways, people could then switch off the valve. Mm. And I'm wondering if there'll ever be a moment where... That anger can't be switched off. Um, yeah. The, the only difference is that that July failed insurrection was run by the very people who were committing treason. Yes. That's the big difference. <laughs> oh, that's the big difference. So they took advantage of poor, poor people. I mean, our, the evidence that has come out is that there was indeed a plan, a unit that planned this thing. Mm. And they had people who were organized to go and hit a mall, mm. you know, break it, 
because you need the equipment to do that. It's not an ordinary citizen who does that. It's not the masses who blew up a mall. Yeah. Just fell into it. And they break in, take valuable things like ATM and jewelry and leave. Mm. And then 100 people arrive. Now we discover they had also planned that um, at this time they will break them all. 100 people must arrive. From there on, the poor then see you coming with uh, yeah, and, yeah, loads, exactly. and then they all they all there. come in. So the people who died, the majority of the people who died were not part. They were yeah. not there for an insurrection. They were not there to support the former president. They were just hungry. Mm. And uh, you could see when the police came to take the stuff, they say, what am I going to eat now? Mm. I mean, they were so innocent about yeah. it. So in a sense, it was not a, an insurrection in the classical sense of the word, uh, where out of anger people go to the streets. Yeah, That's different from what they did. They were using the, the pain of the people. But... I, I, I would say that a moment does come mm. in a country where the state becomes rogue. Yeah. So rogue that, which was the apartheid yeah. state. That's why we got charged for treason. Yeah. But not yours. No, <laughs> <They're> no. <not. laughs> but you know, there's one piece of information that the public has missed is that I was part, I was deputy president of the SACC at that, at the time, the worst time, 2015, 2016, mm. 2017, that time. And it became clear that the state, people who were running the state, were capturing it to serve their own interest. Mm. And SACC, we then set up what is called unburdening panel. This is the South African Council, Council of, of Churches. Churches. To get, because the ANC Secretary General Mantash, mm. you know, Greta Mantash, had called on people to say if there is a Somebody who has evidence about the Guptas, you must that. come. You must come. Yeah. So people say, but how can we go there? Because <laughs> the criminals are there. Mm. So we set up the panel, and people came to that panel, mm. and it was scary. The information we're getting at one stage, we felt the general secretary was will be vulnerable. We had to get lawyers. We ended up saying, hand over to Madon Sela, the public protector. Mm. Everything that people are being prepared to be witnesses for. Mm. Then there were those who said, I can't, I will be dead. So we had to keep that because mm. you can't take it away because Madon Sela would need evidence. You can't act on it. Then there were those who were just saying, we just want you to know that's it. And I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. So we knew more of the rot beyond what we gave to the public protect. Yes. And we were so shocked. And we made an appointment to see the leadership of the party. Normally the general the council of churches deals with government, not party. Mm. It's, it's, that's yeah. Yeah. You don't deal with party, you deal with government because we don't know, we are not party based. But this time we thought, no. But the problem is in the party. Mm. So we decided to go to the party 
and it would have been um I'll get the dates, you know, for, for it. But we then went to the party, must be 2017, this in March, mm -hmm. and said to them, here is the evidence we have, the information is clear. Yeah. You either change and deal with this issue. If you failed by the time we got to conference in July, Mm. We're going to have to declare this government and morally illegitimate government. Mm. Um, we had declared apartheid yes. illegitimate during that struggle, the same SACC. Mm. So we told them um, the president was not there. We said, please inform him. And it was clear the secretary general said, no, you must talk to the president directly. We said, no, but we are asking you. We, we asked for this meeting. Yes. We expected him to be here. He's not here. Mm. So tell him that, that if you don't change and stop this because you are you are siphoning resources of the state which are meant for the poor. Mm. It's not just stealing. Mm. It's more than stealing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, capturing the state and using it for other purposes. So you become illegitimate in that sense. And they couldn't do it. And July came, the SACC declared that government morally illegitimate. Yeah. That resolution still stands up to date. And, and we have said, even when we met with the president, you know, for other things, mm -hmm. the new president now, we say, president, you know, we still have that resolution. Yeah. We have to rescind it. See, that's but, interesting. But we need evidence that shows that... You have done enough. Yeah, you've turned the corner. Yeah. But up to now... There's no indication that people who captured the state are out. They are still there in the intelligence services. They were infiltrated. Some mm. left. They're outside armed. And see, that's why... Yeah. So that's why I believe that at some point that contestation outside of normal democratic institutions mm. and outside any form of like elite mobilization, you know, the elite mobilizing mm. the impoverished and mar marginalized in the country to go do things they, they have no business doing essentially mm. because it doesn't benefit them. In my mind, there will come a day if the socioeconomic situation doesn't change mm. where a group will come out and say, we're not participating in democratic elections. Mm and we're not participating in democratic institutions mm. because you have not proven to us that you're no longer morally illegitimate as a state. Yeah. And that would be an interesting day. But we're going to, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Yeah, no, <laughs> let, let, me, let me just say that actually we were confronted by that day mm. because after we had... Somebody said, after you've adopted this resolution, what does it mean? <laughs> and we avoided answering that question, mm -hmm. hoping that the government would change. Yeah. And I must say, uh, with the report of the commission, we're going to have to see whether the trend and the trajectory mm -hmm. is going to change. 
And if it doesn't change, then we'll have to say as the people of South Africa, no, this day... Enough's enough now. Enough is enough. But remember that the, 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 the issue is when the state itself now mm. operates fully against the rights of the people. Yeah. And, and that's where you would then say no, instead of just individuals. Mm. So I'm just hoping things will turn around and we don't have to even contemplate. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that, this whole conversation, we could, I know we could discuss this <laughs> yeah, yeah. going forward, but I just yeah. want to say thanks um, for giving your insights um, and sharing your story. And it's always fascinating to hear it all the time. Well, um, thanks for comparing it with your experience. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if we can. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't know because yours was, in my yeah. mind, our situation was just a bizarre yeah. moment in history. Yeah. Whereas yours was, this is it's normal. Real. This is this yeah. is real. This yeah. is what's happening. But yeah, thanks. <laughs>